Cynthia Tobias, our guest last time on Focus on the Family, talked about the danger of losing sight of the most important things when it comes to teaching our children. Is it worth it? Because how many parents right now that are listening to us, they are so frustrated with their child that there's not really much relationship left. It's constantly nagging, bugging, arguing. Okay, maybe I got the A's. Maybe I turned all the homework in. But what if I lost my relationship with Christ? What if I lost my relationship with my parents? At some point, we have to achieve balance. We have to say, is this one worth it? Well, it seems for many parents, there are some very difficult questions that we grapple with when it comes to our child's education. And we'll be addressing some of those and offering a helpful perspective on today's program. Our host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, along with family psychologist and Focus staff member Dr. Julie Slattery. Jim and Julie were visiting last time with Cynthia Tobias, talking about the different learning styles that our children have, and there was some really good practical information there. Uh, So we're coming back for the continuation of that conversation. Uh, Cynthia Tobias is a real expert on this subject matter. She's written a number of books, and two specifically that we'll be addressing today are The Way They Learn and also Every Child Can Succeed. Let's go ahead and jump right back into the conversation now as we hear from Jim Daly. Last time we were talking about uh, learning styles, we talked about the auditory learner, the visual learner, the kinesthetic learner. Let's talk now about the, the global learning style. What does that mean? In essence, the population really uh, around the world is more or less divided into how the brain is wired either more analytically, step by step, piece by piece, or more globally, which is kind of a big picture get the gist of it, need the context of it. And again, the research is very clear that about 50% of us, it's about 50-50, and and it goes across the genders and across the cultures and across the countries, how our mind processes this information. If you happen to be pre-wired analytically, it doesn't mean you can't do the other, but it means that when you're looking at information, you're looking for step-by-step, you're looking for one, two, three, you're looking for you know, how the rules go and what's supposed to be happening and, and getting it all put together. But if you're in the 50% where I am, which is the opposite end of the spectrum, which is more global, I don't actually get to the step-by-step without knowing, what is this? What's the deal? I need to know what's going on. What's the context of it? My mind is backing me up, making me figure out, how does this all fit in? What does it have to do with anything I care about? Um, it's, it's proven that we're equally intelligent between globals and analytics. Your children, and you're gonna probably have one of each if you've got at least two, and there's no difference in intelligence, but there's a huge difference in how they perceive information. Does the thought ever occur to you, why did God design it like this? Is it to create (laughs) conflict? And then we have to learn patience. I mean, isn't it fascinating? Do you ever think wonder, about that? Yeah, I wonder before the fall, you know, yeah. I do think about that once in a while. I thought, did conflict not come in until then? Or, or did God know ahead of time that we'd really appreciate each other more if we knew we were different? But if you think about the differences, they're both so important for the functioning of a family, society. Absolutely. You need that detailed person who just uh, looks at exactly what needs to happen next. And then you need the big thinker who puts all those pieces together. It, it may sound obvious, but when you have the big picture child is uh, the way to help them succeed in school is to prep them to ask the big question do they need to to have the freedom to say i'm sorry what what are we aiming for here how do you practically again how do you give them a handle again we go back to awareness being half the battle i think it's more global kids that feel dumber 
because mm-hmm. here the kid next to me, he remembers everything. He wrote his notes down just perfectly. I, I don't remember what she said because I didn't connect it to anything. And I like consensus as a global. I like working in groups. I like learning together. So a- as a child, if you can work with me, I, parents will say my global child never wants to do homework. Sometimes it's as easy as if you just sit down and work too, not with me. It's just that I don't want anyone having more fun than I am because uh. I'm easily distracted. So what if the whole family sits down and works on what they've got to do? Then I can focus because it's all for one, one for all. Mm. Now, the analytic kid, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to work by himself, leave me alone. But I want to be with other people. I want to be in the middle of things, and I want to go together with people. And so as a parent, if I can be just sensitive and I can encourage my global child, what what would help you do this? You know, Do you want me to sit in the room with you? Would you like me to talk with you about it? Now, as you describe that, I get the ideal. Okay, but the reality of it is we get home, pick up the kids from school, Mm -hmm. get through the door around 4 o'clock, get dinner started. The kids are restless. They're tired. They want a snack. Parents are restless and tired, too. I just want to get the homework done. I just want to say, what do you have for homework? Sit down, do it. How do you integrate this kind of thing into the busyness of life every single day? Um, you know, how do you sit down with your child and say, "Well, would you like me to do your homework with you?" And you know, I could probably do that maybe <laughs> yeah, one day yeah. a month. But <laughs> I'm guessing you're highly more analytic, right? I am more analytic. <laughs> I, I'm I am more global. Like I, I would have guessed that yeah. you're more global. Because the analytic too. parents are going, "Look, we only have this many hours, this much time. This is when it makes the most sense for you to do homework. Sit down and get it done." But remember, I'm, the time of day is different for different people. I'm a morning person. After school is the worst time for me. Um, sometimes if you can just be honest with me as a parent, you know what? I don't have time to work on your homework with you or to help you figure it out. I need it done by 9 o'clock tonight. What's it going to take? Where do you need to be? Who do you need? It's, sometimes it's as easy as that. So if, if the whole evening is taken up with arguing about getting things done, where's the family time? Yeah. Where's the time when you really connect and have a relationship with them? But we're in a system where primary kids have homework. They have spelling words. They have to study for a test. They have worksheets to do. And you can tell how tired those little guys are. I don't know about you, Jim, but my our youngest are the same age. And when he gets home from school, that I can just tell he's done. He's wiped out. But we still have things we need to do. How do you work around that? It's very frustrating, and I I think we need to change the system, but while we're waiting for the system to change, we have to work with the child. And again, looking for even small ways of taking a break, um, small ways of feeling like, oh, I can take a breath, and, you know, because otherwise everything about school is so much drudgery, then they're going to associate that with learning. Mm -hmm. And learning is wonderful, and especially for younger kids, the primary age kids, they have the most incredible abilities to just learn and drink in information. But if we turn it into just a chore that they have to do and that we always argue about every single night, it's it's not good. And I think we have to have balance. And we sometimes talking to the teachers will work. Sometimes figuring out with, with the child. Let's experiment with a couple things. Making it fun. Pull them into yeah. it. Absolutely. I, yeah, Give I know, them some ownership, I know it's too. one of my little guys that really struggles with homework. When we do spelling words and I give him a practice spelling test, I'll have some M&Ms there, and I'll say, for everyone you get right, you get an M&M. And sometimes it's finding that sweetener, that motivation that makes it a challenge for them. You have to ask and answer that question, what's the point? Bottom you're, line. You're not using green and red M&Ms or something like that. You get green ones if you're right. <laughs> he would like that. Because yeah, <laughs> analytically, that might be. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Cynthia, uh, we talked about the, the learning styles, but let's talk about uh, how the kids, the basic ways 
that they process and perceive information. Uh, let's touch on that aspect of your books. Uh, yeah, the first one I think is uh, the concrete thinker. Right. Uh, describe for us what is that? You know, you have your concrete versus your abstract, and and the concrete mind is constantly looking for ways to. It's, it's more like, an, in other words, what or, or what can I do with this, or what does this mean then? So, in other words, why? I want to put my hands on it. I want to absolutely understand and do something with it. The more abstract thinker is going, oh, I think there's more to it. Wait, wait, I don't think we have enough information yet. I think I'm, you know, they're reading between the lines. They're sometimes dealing a little bit with more theory than fact. And and the, when they come in contact with each other, the more abstract one seems to always want a little bit more time and space, whereas the concrete one wants to just, let's just get it done. Speed. Get, get, right. get there and let's make the decision. Right. I could see that in my kids as yeah. well. Also, you talk about uh, the sequentially oriented child and the random thinker. Uh, touch on that a little bit. Right. Well, you know, even even Julie, like you're talking about as a mom, okay, there's a schedule and we have this and this and this and this and we need to get this done. So this is the best way to do it. So get a grip and just do it. Whereas the more random kid goes, well, but the bottom line is it needs to get done, but why does it have to get done one, two, three? Why can't it be like three, one, two? And, and what if I don't feel like doing it? And, and I can remember, you know, growing up, um, my mom saying, you know, I do a lot of things I don't feel like doing. And I would say, why? <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand why you force yourself to do. Because in my random mind, I'm thinking, I understand that it's important and I won't let you down. But why does it have to be exactly step by step your way or nothing? You're on the pulse of a lot of frustration for those of us parents uh, right here. Because I, this is something I experience and I think there are a lot of people... Uh, hearing right now what we're talking about, and they're right there too. Mm -hmm. You're living it like I am. And uh, how do we manage that? How do we get comfortable with three, two, one, as opposed to one, <laughs> two, three? I'm not sure you can get comfortable with it. I think it's it's a conscious adaptation you can make an adjustment. But I think, again, when, when you go back to awareness being part of the battle, I think talking to your kids about it, saying, you realize that this is going to drive me crazy if I don't have a plan, right? You understand that? <laughs> um, as a teacher saying, you, you realize that I am going to go ahead and kind of roll with this with you, but you understand what kind of mood it puts me in, right? I mean, is, is this where you want to be? And and so the, you just talk about it. You own it out there. You just you address it. Instead of saying, you know, why can't you be and why won't you do, you actually say, I understand this makes you miserable. I'm sorry. I wish there was another way. Tonight there isn't. You know, tomorrow, maybe we can be more random. We'll try. Um, and, and it's funny, but like as kids, we're just going, oh, okay. I mean, just recognizing it, recognize my frustration, understand me. It makes a huge difference. As you talk about this randomness. It's driving you crazy already, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is. I do have um, at least one random child, very random. And let me give you a typical night of homework. Um, it's chasing him around the house. It feels like, did you get your homework done? No, not yet. I forgot. I want to do this first. Why can't I do this first? Okay, do that first. Get your homework done. We, I sit down with them, help them focus. We get to about 930 at night. We finally got this work done. And How old is he? He is 11. Okay. And so the next day, what happens? He forgets it at home. Because randomness means lack of organization. It means maybe it gets in the folder, maybe it doesn't, or maybe even puts it in his book bag, but he forgets to put it on the teacher's desk. Okay, but randomness doesn't mean lack of organization. It means I am organized in a different way. And so if you insist that it be done a specific way, as most analytic 
folks like to do, then I'm all focused on what it looks like and what it has to be. And I completely miss the point that the work has to get done. So I can turn in something organized if that's what you're going for. But if you're really going for getting my work done, then and, and at 11, you need to be asking him, look, how will I know your homework's done? How will I know? Do you want my help with it? Ask more questions instead of constantly reminding. Because with the random kid, if you're constantly reminding me, I don't have to remember myself. Because mm-hmm. my mom will bug me again in a couple more minutes. And so I just kind of dismiss that. I've got lots of other things. Um, my mind is constantly swirling with stuff to do. So I don't really have to remember that because you remind me constantly. But what if you didn't? What if you just said, how will I know your homework is done by bedtime? You know, how do you want me to remind you? Let me come up with a child as, well, I want you to quit bugging me. Okay, I'll quit bugging you. How would you like me to remind you? Did you just just call me a nag? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling a little guilty about that. Um, but, But is it okay to put in a system for a kid like that? This is what you do next. This is how we make sure not only when you got it done, it gets in the homework folder, it gets to school. I don't believe it's okay for you to put your system in, but I do believe it's okay to have a system. Cynthia, what I'm hearing you say, and for all of us as parents, again, this is critical, is help your child carry the burden so you as a parent are not having to carry and shoulder the whole thing. Is that fair? It is fair, and it's doing them a favor, too. They need to think about this, because we're so used to, in school and everywhere else, everybody just tells you what to do, so you really don't have to think about it. And then suddenly you graduate from high school, and nobody tells you anymore what you're supposed to do. So as early as possible, we do want to shift some responsibility, and we want to help our kids focus on what are your strengths? What is it going to take for you to use that? How? Because later, as your son gets into high school, especially, he is going to, he's not going to have you around all the time to continually tell him what to do. He needs to figure it out as early as possible to say, uh-oh, if I'm going to get that done, I better do this and I better do that so that he knows and he takes that responsibility. Well, I, and Julia, I appreciate the vulnerability. I, You know, we're all doing this. And I think we all in our homes, if we're honest, we have these kind of issues that we're dealing with. And uh, yet at the same time, there it's the don't sweat the small stuff keeps coming to my mind as we're talking mm-hmm. with you, Cynthia. But the interesting thing is, too, I mean, here, Julia is the analytic parent dealing with the random kid, right? I was the random parent dealing with my analytic son. I was driving him crazy, just like I would drive Julie crazy, because he's going, well, so what's the plan? I'm going, the plan? (laughs) Can't we just do the develop a plan as we go? And he's going, no, I need a plan. So it can be both ways. It can. And Cynthia, you hit on a really key thing, and this is something that I'm in the middle of doing with all three of my kids at different stages, but transferring that motivation to succeed from me to them. Mm -hmm. And you have to... help them become concerned about how they're performing and are they working up to their potential. And again, it's different for different kids and it's certainly different at different ages. But I know as I talk to parents, that's a huge concern. How do I get my 10-year-old, my 13-year-old, my 14-year-old to get to the point where they really care about their work and their effort? And in the end, can you do it for them? You can't. No matter how much you love your kids, no matter even as a teacher, how much I care about my students, I can't succeed for them. I can't take charge of their success. So the more I teach them how they learn, the more time I can spend with them figuring out what their strengths are and how to use them, then I'm actually graduating learners and not just students who've somehow survived the system. Because I'm sure you've seen it. I know you have too, Jim, where you see parents 
literally doing their kids' homework right? so that they get the A's. You see the science fair <laughs> projects that you know, like uh, an engineer must have put together because right. a second grader couldn't have. Where do you get to the point where mom and dad are no longer carrying the burden of motivation, of making sure it's done well, and to the point where you have a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old who's fully taking responsibility for their own who's work. Who's equipped. Mm-hmm. Right. Equipped and, for life. And, you know, I, one of the working titles I want to do on my next book is, is Who Gets to Decide What's Normal, right? Because when you think about it, they can't all have ADD, right? I mean, that <laughs> it, it's this burgeoning industry where we just – but but what if we're medicating the wrong kids? I mean, why are we – who got to decide that normal – was was you know having the structure and all getting all A's and excelling and everything seat, and sitting moving. in your seat? Who decided that? Because yeah. we're we're seeing more and more. This is the 21st century. Social networks and texting and all the stuff that competes with homework. Anyway, I mean we're way 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 behind sometimes. Yeah. Why aren't we looking at what really is normal? Cynthia, let, let's provide some oxygen for the parent who is struggling because they're trying to get the child every night to do it one, two, three. Mm -hmm. Speak specifically to that parent who uh, give them some air there to say, relax, take a deep breath. What's the goal? What are you trying to achieve? Help us work through that. Right, and maybe what you should do is is right now at the end of the radio broadcast, go write on a piece of paper, big letters, what's the point? Put it on a magnet on your refrigerator and just keep asking yourself, what's the point? And how important is the homework in the end, because sometimes how important is the A in the end? What do you is mean by worth, what do you mean by what's the point? Well, you you talk about you know you want your son you have to dog his steps all evening long. So by the time you end up getting the homework done, he doesn't turn it in tomorrow. He forgets it anyway. What was the point of what you did? Did was there a better way? Did the homework need to get done? Probably not always though. Not always. Maybe he needed to take to go in and not have the homework done and take the lower grade and realize, oh, or maybe what if a B is okay? Okay, many of us parents are shrieking right <laughs> I know, now. We're I know. hearing this going, what? We've got to have that child turn in the homework. The culture is definitely uh, tense about getting it done. Right. I mean, we're. I feel like we're – my mom and dad, I mean, I had my difficulties as a child in our family – origin issues, but but I, I, there was no pressure there to get it done. I just kind of knew I had to do it. Right. But today, we do feel a lot of, got to get it done. Get it done. Right. You got to be a perfect kid. You're saying failure does teach us things. And yeah, and here's the second piece of paper you write down right next to what's the point. You write the question, is it worth it? Because how many parents right now that are listening to us they are so frustrated with their child that there's not really much relationship left. It's constantly nagging, bugging, arguing. And so as a child, if I don't have a safe harbor, if I don't have a place I can come, if I don't feel like I can go to my parents and feel understood and feel accepted, okay, maybe I got the A's. Maybe I turned all the homework in. But what if I lost my relationship with my parents? At some point, we have to achieve balance. We have Mm -hmm. to say, is this one worth it? Now, some battles are absolutely worth it, but let's face it, some battles aren't. And I think that's a challenge. And, and sometimes only you can answer whether or not that battle is worth it. But I do think that parents need permission from themselves to be a loving parent who can sometimes sit down with that child and say, why do you think this is driving you so crazy? This is destroying us. What can we do? Enlist the help of your child. Be open and transparent enough to say, the bottom line is, and accountability is, but I love you, and this is tearing us apart. 
I need some suggestions from you. And when your child says, I don't know, then you say, would you just think about it a little? Because I'm going to ask you again tomorrow. And I'm going to keep asking you until you and I can figure it out. Cynthia, I really want to press in on this because I think out of the two days that we've been talking, this is the, the kernel of wisdom right here. The desire and the need to maintain a relationship with your child over everything else, their success and their failure, but don't lose the relationship because that is what will connect everything else in life for them, even their relationship with God. Especially their relationship with God, because like it or not, as their parent, their relationship with me will reflect on their relationship with God and vice versa. They, They will interpret the authority and parenting of God in many ways based on their relationship with me. That's a heavy responsibility and a prayerful one for me as a parent to realize and to sometimes ask my kids for forgiveness. I don't want to be yelling at you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be arguing with you all the time, because. but I do want you to succeed. I'm going to help you try to, try to succeed. Mm-hmm. And as you bring up that, what's the point? Mm-hmm. What it sounds like you're really asking us to do is, again, to step back and look at that big picture It seems like we've compartmentalized academics and learning in school so much that we think of it as separate from our relationship with our children, separate from our calling as parents. But really, my calling as a parent is to be a discipler and disciple my children. And part of that discipleship is helping them learn to read and write and think and learn and to love learning. But it's not a compartmentalized part of no. my job as a parent. And most importantly, whole. if you've taught them to learn and taken charge of their own success, you are sending a child into the world who can be undaunted and unconquered by any situation, by their choice, because they can walk in anywhere and say, I have a choice. I can quit or I know what I can do to succeed and to survive and to do what I need to do. That is the gift that we give them. That's what God gives us. I mean, he's given us those those abilities and those strengths. And yet, you know, we, we get ourselves tied up in these knots and these analytic systems where we say, this is how you must go, what you must do to be successful. And in the end, in the end, success is determined by your strengths and your motivation to succeed. And you need to take charge of it. Cynthia, in terms of a theme over the last couple of days, is there the possibility that, particularly in this culture in in the United States, do we over-parent? I think we can, and I think we can also under-parent. I mean, I think maybe we need a new definition of parenting in some ways, and and you're you're taking it a little in this direction, Jim, with what you're doing with, and and with focus on the family. I mean, we're we're trying in some ways to define parenting, um, you know, a Christ-like parent Mm. who's really looking for ways to not press a child, but to understand. There's a big difference between analyzing and understanding. And I think most people don't want to be analyzed, but I think we all want to be understood. And there's just True. no greater gift we can give our children than than through God to understand how he made them and who they are. Uh, Cynthia, as we wind up the time on day two here, uh, speak to the parents out there from your heart. Remind them of the core things and uh, help them understand what it is you're trying to say. You know, and, and again, as you're listening to me today, as a parent, it really, I truly believe with my whole heart that God has given you each child quite deliberately and with a very conscious decision on his part that you are the best one to raise this child. You need God to do it. You need wisdom and you need direction. But you also need to remember that it isn't you who created the child. It is God who created the child. He knows that child better than anyone else. And you're the next person who knows that child. So you and God together can help find ways 
to focus on this child's strengths, to realize what they can do, and to motivate them to really succeed while you hold them accountable and provide a harbor safe with your love and your dedication and commitment to them. Well, some great comments there from Cynthia Tobias, our guest on the past two days of Focus on the Family, and we trust that you found this helpful. I think every parent with a child in school experiences some bumps along the way, and uh, we certainly have in our home. So we hope that uh, this kind of conversation has been helpful as it offers practical help and some really biblical perspectives on parenting, uh, particularly as it relates to the educational process. Our program today provided by Focus on the Family, and on behalf of Jim Daly and Dr. Julie Slattery, along with the entire broadcast team here, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. Well, this has been so good, especially as most kids head back to school this week. Cynthia has really encouraged us as parents to recognize our child's learning style and then be sensitive to their needs and their particular bent. I loved when she said that there is just no greater gift we can give our children than through God to understand how he made them and who they are. And when we get that, we can help them succeed. I want to encourage you to get a copy of Cynthia's excellent book, Every Child Can Succeed, Making the Most of Your Child's Learning Style. You can ask for that when you call us on 031-716-3300 or find it online at safamily.co.za. While you're online, you'll also find a range of other resources as well as thousands of helpful articles, broadcasts, video series, our recently launched Thrive Media, and even our free online parenting assessment. That's all on our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for tuning in to Focus on the Family today. I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.